You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. And in today's show, you're in for a treat. We have a new guest, Gareth Soloway. He is the chief market strategist over at InTheMoneyStocks.com. And if you recognize that website, that's because our friend Nick Santiago, who comes on once a month, is also partners with Gareth. So Gareth, welcome to the show for the first time. Hey, thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Let's get your initial reaction to the Fed statement a few days ago. The September uh, statement, you know, tapering is going to happen soon, whatever that means. Interest rates, at least for this week, remain the same. Uh, how do you think that this is affecting the market? Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting, right? So we saw the Fed statement at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, which was pretty dovish. And then Jerome Powell came out in his press conference and he was kind of more hawkish. And you saw the market, this S&P 500 initially rallying, then selling off, then bouncing, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And since then, we've seen interest rates actually starting to move up pretty sharply the last couple of days. So the market's starting to get the hint that the Fed will taper. It's looking more and more like November, unless you see contagion out of China with the Evergrande situation. But overall, I think the market continues to be in this buy the dip mentality, at least for now, where they're saying, you know what, as long as rates aren't above 1.5% on the 10 year, we don't care. This market is just a buy the dip market. So what changes that investor psychology to where investors become fearful and it's no longer buy the dip? Well, I think I think we're getting close to that occurring. And what will be the key will be when we don't make a new all-time high and then you make another low. So I want to show my chart here because this is one of the most fascinating charts out there to really show you how close we could be to some sort of correction. So here's the S&P SPY chart technically. So this is the ETF that tracks the S&P. And here's your line that goes all the way back to March 2020, right? It goes all the way up underneath these lows. And what you can see here is the rally initially from March 2020 started out strongest. You had the greatest distance from the line here and the longest distance before you came back and you just kissed the line. You didn't even hit it. Then notice how each subsequent period, it was less height and less length. And each time we hit the line here, then we hit it twice. We pierced it. We pierced it by a greater margin. And you could see the rally was losing steam because it gets for, it gets less and less away from the line on every bounce to the point where if you go in recent periods, right, we basically just got above the line here. We got below and then we couldn't even get above. And then you saw this rollover. And this is what I want to point out today, folks. So just about you know four days ago, the market for the first time since March of 2020, so a year and a half ago, it was the first time we made a lower low on the S&P 500. All right. Now, we are seeing buy the dippers come in, which is no surprise. Any bull market, you're going to have people waiting on the sidelines to jump in. But once you make a lower low, there's a potential for a trend change in the S&P 500, meaning that if we bounce up and we don't make a new all-time high and you get a lower high as well, it's game over for this market in terms of new all-time highs, probably for at least a year or more. So there's some big stuff going on here, folks. And, and, and I want people to watch this bounce. This is a very important next week or two in the market, because if we don't make a new all-time high, then you will see further selling for sure. How significant is that gap down that we saw on the chart you showed? Is that significant from a technical standpoint? 
It's it, it the, the importance, the gap gaps are always important, but it's more important that we made the lower low that changes kind of the trajectory of the market that was making always higher highs so, or and higher lows. So it's really that's the one that I'm, I'm focusing in on. It looks like I think that was a lot. The gap down there occurred when there was a lot of fear of contagion from the Evergrande situation with China market trading in the overnight of the U.S. markets. So do you ex- expect a stair step down approach to the SPY? Yeah, I do. So so initially when a market or any sort of bull ends, you never get a crash. I mean, well, I shouldn't say never, but it's very rare you get a crash down. Instead, there's so many bulls in the wings that you'll get a stair step where you get a drop and then the buyers come in thinking it's going to go back. Then you get another drop and buyers come back in. The bigger moves usually come at the end of bear markets where that's where the panic is. And that's actually where you want to start buying. So if you go back to March of 2009, right, when the markets were bottoming out, you know, from the financial crisis, it was, I still remember vividly trading through it. It was just getting smoked every day in the markets. There were no bounces to be had. And finally, you washed out enough enough people where the markets could make a bottom. Gareth, on this show, we talk a lot about gold. So what's the main trigger for gold? Is it Fed policy or is it the turning over of the general equities? Yeah. So with gold, there's some interesting things. With Mainly, I'm looking for the inflation factor. So we know that when interest rates go up, generally over the past 20 years or even longer, we've seen gold sell off, right? And you can see that happening quite often when you have a big pop in, in the 10-year yield, for instance. What we're looking for and what you can see from the late kind of the mid-1970s and to the 1980s when you had that crazy inflationary period Interest rates went up precipitously then, but gold also outperformed. Gold had this huge move to the upside. So there's, there's, it's important for investors to differentiate between interest rates going up because of a strong economy, which means people are like, well, it's so good out there, I don't need to hold the safety of gold, versus going up because of inflation. And so I think as we get further in this cycle going into next year, and inflation doesn't subside as much like the Fed has said it will, you're going to see this more powerful move on gold. And I actually think you'll have a breakout. In fact, let me show my GLD chart here. should be pretty amazing. Um, So what you see here is the GLD, the gold ETF. And and even though it hasn't had some great movement, it hasn't made new all-time highs in quite a long time since 2020, you can actually see it's a bullish pattern of consolidation, right? So you had this bigger move up starting down here. And then all of this consolidation is digestion of gold or or of the move. And so what I'm looking for is a break to the upside through this channel. And then I think you get the cataclysmic, the big move to the upside. And that's really what I'm focusing in on. So in all fairness, gold could continue to chop in this range for a little while, maybe the next month or two. But watch as an investor in gold, if it can take out this line, then you should see a major momentum come into gold. So your partner, Nick Santiago, said on this show, I don't know, a few weeks ago, he's expecting at least 18 months or so before we see another powerful generational up move in gold. Would that be coinciding with your expectation or are you a little more near term on that move? I would say I'm a little bit more near term. I think in the next 12 months, you could see it. Um, I do think that, again, it's 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 going to coincide with that that inflation number not being transitory like the Fed has just preached on and on. And I think that's going to create a major situation where you're going to start to see that gold trade really move up significantly. So I'm in the camp probably even even you know six to 12 months, it could already start. And again, for us as, as traders on, te- on the technical side, just follow that trend line by connecting the recent highs. And once you breach that, that should be the go signal for the upside. What's your analysis of GDXJ? We focus a lot on the juniors on this show. Let me take a look here. Let's take a look at that chart and see what we got on that one. So 
GDXJ's chart actually does not look bad. It, it, it's very similar to the GLD chart with the big move up here. And, if, and again, we can draw those same trend lines here. Um, one of the cool things about GDXJ is that see this high pivot right here, put a trend line in there and you connect it. So pivot high, low, 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 and low. And we're sitting right on that low trend line. And what that tells me, at least, I mean, I, I know a lot of people look for the longer term move, but in terms of a shorter term trade, you might actually get a pop in the next week or two on GDXJ. Because again, notice how every time it kind of touches that line, it gets a pop, touches it. Here was a big one. Here again, smaller one. So the idea is that this trend line has worked as major support. So we might see it pop up just a little bit. Again, how much is going to be a question mark? But I like the chart. I mean, this again is a longer term bullish pattern inside of this move up. Same thing. If you want to look for the bigger move, you need to take out this trend line to the upside. And then I think you, you zoom higher, you know, well, well above the, the highs from 2020. Trilogy Metals is a world-class developer in Alaska's Ambler Mining District. The company already possesses 8 billion pounds of high-grade copper, 3 billion pounds of zinc, over 1 million gold-equivalent ounces, and over 77 million pounds of cobalt. Trilogy's Arctic project boasts an after-tax net present value of $1.4 billion, with a 33% internal rate of return. Trilogy is led by an experienced management team with proven success in discovering and developing projects in Alaska. The company is well-capitalized has no debt, and possesses strong institutional support. Trilogy trades in New York and Toronto under the ticker TMQ. To learn more, go to TrilogyMetals.com. That's TrilogyMetals.com. Gareth, do you do uh, an analysis of Bitcoin relative to the gold price? Do you have an analysis on that for us? I don't have a, a direct analysis on that, but I do have the Bitcoin chart, and I would like to go over it if that's okay. Yes, please. Um, so we have Bitcoin here, right? And Bitcoin played a perfect head and shoulders pattern to target of 30,000, right? And again, this is a call that I got a lot of notoriety for making. I spotted this head and shoulders here and you had the neckline going right through and you can calculate the target of a head and shoulder by taking the high of the head, dropping a plumb line right down to that line. That distance is the target when you, you, you'd go from this break point and that is the same target distance or it should be to a target of Bitcoin. And that's exactly how it played out back to 30,000. You then saw Bitcoin chopping, hitting on this resistance here, resistance, resistance, finally breaking out. You went back to what we call the scene of the crime, which is the break, the trend line, which was broken here. Now it extends out right there. Notice as soon as we got there, we saw a sharp sell-off. You now are hitting this former resistance now support. Now, everything I'm seeing on Bitcoin is telling me that we are going to go lower. So it may not be like in the crash scenario. It may be a lot of chop, but I actually have downside targets of 18 to 20,000 on Bitcoin, at which point I am a huge buyer of Bitcoin. I'm a huge believer in Bitcoin longer term. I just think that there's so much leverage in the system that you have to get Bitcoin to flush out, just like in the stock market. Stocks, stocks have to flush out. You have to clear out that leverage. So even though I'm bearish in the near term on Bitcoin, I do think you are going to see upside. I also think that if, if Bitcoin flushes, that could be another positive for gold as money may rotate back to gold. Philosophically, do you view Bitcoin as a safe haven similar to gold? 
I, I do. You know, eventually when it matures, I think it's going to be viewed as the digital gold. Um, in my portfolio, I absolutely will hold some. And I currently hold a little bit because I think it's going to go down. I, I don't hold a lot, but I hold I hold a fair amount of gold right now, uh, physical as, as well as investment gold uh, like the GLD. And then I also hold a very tiny amount of Bitcoin, but I'm looking to buy once it flushes out. And the key is I mean, for me, I just can't get over the fact that the money printing just continues. And every time the Federal Reserve, you know, talks about getting away from it and, and raising rates or stop, you know, tapering, there's a new crisis and they have to drop interest rates even more. And then they have to print even more. And there's really no way to get out of it. I mean, we're never going to see interest rates, in my opinion, back to five or 10 percent. Uh, I mean, maybe not even three percent because the debt in this country is way too big to tolerate that. So if the printing has to continue, you have to have your safe havens to protect your buying power, which again are metals and eventually Bitcoin. Now, remember, you know, a lot of people would say, well, why not Bitcoin now? And, and it's very early on in its maturity. So you're still going to have these crazy 20, 30, 50% moves. For me, when I'm protecting my assets, I don't want 50% moves in them. You know, so I have to wait for it to kind of calm down. I want to see more adoption by institutions. I want to see regulation. A lot of people are anti-regulation with Bitcoin. I think you have to be pro-regulation because that's the only way pension funds are going to have 5% allocated to Bitcoin and other big funds will do it as well. Only once it has regulation will they feel comfortable. So again, longer term, awesome. Shorter term, I'd rather be in gold for safety. With your expectation that the general equities are rolling over, is volatility going to be a good trade for you in Q4? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So volatility, anytime you see the downside ticking in it or fear increasing, volatility should be a great opportunity. So I'm, I'm for instance, long the VXX right now, uh, looking for a move up in that that could be pretty solid. Uh, the VIX, you know, VIX could be a trade as well if people want to do it. But I think that's a great way to play it. Absolutely. Via call options or how do you play that? Or you just straight the ETF? I just do the ETF on a shorter term basis. You don't really want to hold it for long periods of time, but coming into a period where the S&P is telling me something like it is, that's definitely where you'd have exposure because, and again, make sure to allocate it for everyone watching. You know, you, you don't put a lot of money in it because it's so volatile, but again, you'd want to have some exposure in case we do see a bigger rollover in the markets. Uh, the VXX could go up 20, 30, 40, 50% very easily. Are there any commodities you're trading right now, either to the upside or the downside? So, so gold, definitely. I, I have swing trade positions in gold as, long, as well as longer term investments in gold. Silver, I've been a little bit more hesitant on because I can't, I can't quite quantify how a slowdown in the economy with the industrial side of silver is going to affect the safe haven of silver. So there's a little bit more of a murkiness there with gold and silver. Longer term, I don't think it will matter. Silver will outperform and be awesome. But it's just this shorter term period where the economy gets off the high of, of people saving from COVID and spending all this money and doing all this thing. Same thing with as the Delta variant fades here in the US, I think there could be another surge, which could be good for silver, but then you have the fallback at some point of that lack of demand. So, so I would say those are definitely, I was short uranium uh, a week or so ago, and it has pulled back. I do have a, a possible trade set up URNM for those of you that are interested here. Let me show my chart on this one, NM. And this You're going to get some uranium bulls mad at you here, Gareth. I know. No, okay. this is actually a long on your. So, okay. so I was short up here on this URNM. I mean, this was to me, this was one of the easier trades. It was just so extended and, and so ridiculous to the upside. Um, and then it had this great pullback. But for those of you that are uranium bulls, there's actually a positive here. This will be huge support on URNM. And it also matches with a gap fill. And the price point looks to be about $71. 
So based on that, that actually would be a good quick trading opportunity. If you could flush in there Monday or Tuesday of next week, um, you might get a bounce back as high as, you know, $80 from 71 or so, which would be, I mean, percentage wise in a few days or a week or two, that's an amazing trading opportunity. So, so yeah, there's always these good trading opportunities. Um, I think trading metals is awesome. And then you also want to just keep in mind that you want to have the protection for the longer term. I've said it for a while. I'll say it again. I think the digital yuan, China's pushing for that to be the reserve currency in 10 years. That will be a huge negative for the dollar if all these countries dump their dollars because they don't need them as a reserve currency. So again, you want to have your insurance policies by having some metals, you know, just as as a safety net. What about oil? How are you trading or how are you not trading oil? Yeah, oil's been such a tricky one for me. So, so I've been on the on the side of being short oil, and every time I start to get excited about a rollover, it breaks my heart and just pushes back up. Um, and again, it's it's hard to make sense of this because you know there there is supposedly a lot of oil out there. Um, you can see the USO chart. How this was where I was getting excited when it was dipping. We made a lower low in this situation. And by the way, this shows the chance that you know even the S and P could could still make a high because that's what the USO did. So you had a lower low here. And then you actually came up and you can see as of today, it'll be making a new high. So this was a heartbreaker for me because I am on the short side of oil, but I'm giving it a little bit of time here. I want to see if the markets start coming in strong. Do we see oil come back underneath this line and resume its kind of short-term move to the downside? But it's been a tricky trade on oil for me in terms of reading it. So when you're on the wrong side of a trade, what do you do? Like a 25% stop loss? How how do you play that on a trade? Yeah. So in those situations, you want to have that exit. And that's what, I mean, if, if we confirm above this level, I'll probably exit my oil short at that point. And then I can always look to re-enter it at a certain point in the future once I get a good read on it. But yeah, in general, you just want to go into the trade and say, okay, if I accumulate my full position and this is my average, then where is my exit if it gets to that point? And anything else you're shorting right now, Gareth? Um, short the indices. So S&P and the NASDAQ 100, I'm short those. Um, I did pick up a Chinese stock today, which we've been trading in and out of. It's been a great trading vehicle. Um, These Chinese stocks have just absolutely been annihilated. Uh, They're scary to invest in. Those are usually the types of investments I like when everyone is kind of running away. That's where I like to accumulate. I've been in and out of this BEKE multiple times here, um, and I picked it back up today after this dip. We sold it two days ago for about 11% gain in a few days. But, you know, these are the types where even if you look at like Alibaba, just absolutely crushed, you know, this to me, you know, is is where opportunity is made. This is where the bigger gains, if you have the guts to step up on these type of trades, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. There's no doubt about it. The the constant stream of regulatory reform from China, the Evergrande situation, it's all negative news. But from the negatives, usually you get to a point of being oversold. And I think, again, Alibaba would be an interesting long if you have the patience and, and, uh, and stomach for it. So when you determine on a trade like that, when what is when something is oversold, is it by watching the news headlines or is it by the charts or a combination of both? How do you determine that as a trader? So, yeah, you want to you want to kind of focus, I would say, 80 percent on the charts. And then you always keep your ear to kind of the sentiment out there. Sentiment is a great indicator of market tops when it's too bullish. You know, when I have when I'm short the when I'm shorting the market at highs and I'm out of the money a little and people are you know messaging me and saying, Oh, you're so crazy, you're gonna lose so much. I'm like, all right, now I'm gonna make money. You know, it's like that type of mentality. So the same thing applies to something like Alibaba. You want to focus on the charts, find the levels, look at the RSIs, other things like that, but then also kind of have an ear to the news media, the CNBCs. And when there's just all negativity out there, it usually means it bounces very, very close. And uh, what have you done in your portfolio this year percentage-wise? Could you share that with us? 
Yeah. So about, about 35% net profit this year. So it's been a good year. Uh, hasn't been my best year, but it has been a very solid year. And it's been a, a difficult year too. Your partner, Nick says the one year is always a difficult year, right? A volatile and difficult year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, reading these, reading a market that just keeps on grinding higher. And then, you know, if you look back historically, it's almost never you see a market for such a period of time have these 3% corrections and that's it. I mean, we've gone historic times without having a 10% correction. And that's partially the Fed's fault. I mean, the Fed has pumped money in and made it so that no one is fearful, but the fear will come back in. And I look forward personally to volatility. I don't necessarily need the markets to drop sharply, but just creating that whippiness gives us trading opportunities. Gareth, your website is inthemoneystocks.com. Remind listeners what they can find there, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a service there called Verified Investing Alerts. I do a daily video. I put out all my swing trade alerts with exact entries and exits. And I always say to people, follow me on Twitter at Gareth Soloway because it's all free there. If you like what I post on Twitter, if you like the chart analysis, if you like the trade ideas, then you just get one step up even more by being a member at the website. All right. And I will post Gareth's Twitter account in the show notes below for you to click on that. If you're listening in audio form and you want to see the charts, I'm going to link to the YouTube so you can see the charts that Gareth was uh, referencing. Gareth, thanks for coming on the show for the first time. Really enjoyed your insights. Oh, thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. 
If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.